So the um, contemplating the Buddha, the nature of Buddha, the awakened citta. So the fundamental property of of citta is is awareness. Um, So we can be aware of all the fluctuations in consciousness and feeling, mental states, bodily states. And by and large, we favor some and we find ourselves struggling, tangled up in others. And uh, we get very much crammed with our own tanglings and uh, trying to work it out and trying to get comfortable and so on. So this is the movement into the personal realm, which is uh, always a temporary, (laughs) very temporary and fragile position that we tend to take as a standard because that's what the way the social world operates if our personal realm is the fundamental unit of experience and it's obviously a very powerful formation that we all undertake or get into and so society and human contact requires it but um, you know teaching of the Buddha very tells you the truth, that no, this is going to break up. It's, uh, it's fragile. Yeah. Death. Yeah. Separation from the loved. Association, association with what we dislike. Painful feeling. Bodies that hurt. Emotions that get affected and... Uh, upset and disappointed and sorrow. Mm. Mm. Uh, This is is difficult, true, but it isn't easy to take. Or one can take it intellectually, until it starts happening to you. In its various forms, mm-hmm. and of all the <clears throat> forms that the Buddha encourages this to understand, it's this uh, generation of our entanglement in uh, trying to make a world fit into our personal position that uh, encourages us to strengthen up and uh, overcome. Uh, the fifth mudra of the Buddha, when you sometimes you see these, uh, um, it's, it's actually a um, later Buddhist presentation, it's not an original, it's a later one, iconography, you have the four, mentioning the other day, 
the earth toucher, that which comes into presence, fearlessness, protection, the movement of the second mudra, which is the hand upright, which is saying, you know, sense of imperturbable movement towards that which is skillful, unstoppable, never daunted, never knocked down, fearless resolve. Uh, the Samadhi Mudra, that which is collects and gathers the strengths and skills into a unified mind that's capable, strong, uh, rooted in its own uh, awareness, and no longer dependent upon sense contact, purified of unskillful tendencies, including not just ethical, but um, almost existential, such as restlessness or ill will or craving or dullness, you know, things we think we're not doing, we're not really doing them, they're just happening. But this also can be uh, cleared through deep practice. Samadhi. And when the mind is ready, cleared of this, uh, these hindrances, uh, becomes fit. Dana mudra, that which bestows, that which turns away from grasping and gives itself to to practice. That's the highest kind of giving is dhamma dana. This is understood as you know, we give teachings, we give advice, we give um, you know, help and support in terms of wisdom. It also means we give ourselves to to wisdom, to understanding, to you know, what is often a struggle. Mm. The fifth mudra is uh, the one that's hidden, and it's the called the turning the wheel of the truth, Dhamma Chakra Mudra, particular position of the hands, and the Buddha teaches the four noble truths. Um, there is dukkha, there is there is a cessation, there is a path to that. No, sorry, there is dukkha, there's an origin, a generation of that. The way that something just generates suffering that we don't know about. And there is a, a ceasing of that through understanding how unconsciously, through reactivity, through unseen formations and energies and responses that we never often don't come to terms with or recognize, just relinquishing that. There's a ceasing of that. There's a path as we begin to map that in our lives. So often we can experience some kind of release from the pressures of their conditioning, of their habits, of their fears and phobias, of their stuckness in meditation. Then the aim is, well, try to understand how that happens. 
what triggers these reactions, what triggers one getting anxious, what triggers one getting hostile, what triggers one getting uh, overwhelmed, what triggers one getting compulsive. What is it that does that? Try to look into that formation. It's called sankharas, and sankharas that are generated from something we haven't really understood. Therefore, it should be revealed uh, and relinquished. You see that you begin to see patterns and programs that run all the time, not just in meditation, but all the time. But in our social life, they get covered or, you know, we can cushion. And one of the aims of this renunciant form is to begin to take away the cushions. It's uncomfortable coming back to the wild. Yeah. We see our, our, you know, what it's like to be homeless, uncertain, anxious, unsettled, mm. beset by the elements, cold, and mm. deprived of social contact. You feel a bit lonely, maybe. You know? And so we can take these things like having your own home, your own place, and people around you, and you know, switch the heat on and so forth, and all these things is just normal. Well, yeah, they're, but they're fragile, they can go. Uh, so, yeah, by all means. But don't get attached to all that. You won't get the strengths, you won't deepen to a place where, yeah, that's all right, but you're not, you're not leaning on it. You can be independent of that. Mm, this is the tough love of um, deep practice. Unconsciously, through depending on what is not dependable, that seems to be dependable, presented as dependable. Through leaning on that, we don't get the strengths. We keep inclining to a world of sense consciousness that can't support us. And it's the weaning from that. There is a lot of the... uh, uh, ongoing uh, themes of Dhamma practice, meditation practice, beginning to recognize, you know, if you want to really handle this stuff, then you've got to find another basis. Mm. And uh, there is a basis. The Buddha wouldn't have taught the uh, Noble truths, however uncomfortable they may seem, there is suffering if there wasn't a way out of it. If there wasn't a way out of the dilemmas of the person 
and sense consciousness. Mm. It wouldn't have bothered. Still, it is difficult. So, a lot of our practice is just uh, beginning to really acknowledge this. bound by suffering, bound by old age, sickness, death, separation from the loved, association what we find disagreeable, offensive, mentally disagreeable, you know, don't like that. So, not getting what one wants, how we assume that that's a a right Mm, well the fact is it isn't and uh, you see the human condition by and large who gets what they want how much of the time The feverishness to do that creates a huge inequality, greed, hoarding, possessiveness, lack of sharing, Mm. getting mine. And it still doesn't resolve fundamental issues. So the urgency is to to touch into more fundamental strength, more fundamental basis to meet these challenges. And uh, there is a devotion, a kind of quite a steely devotion. It's not just tender, it's also, you know, a real giving to the refuge, staying with the refuge. Yeah, in meditation practice, uh, begin to get more agility over how we attend, how we wear, how we inflect, how we step back, how we incline, how we begin to cultivate intentionality rather than just be reactive, how we begin to use uh, practices such as just a sitting position, breathing, deep attention, continuous sustained attention <coughs> and relinquishment and working with it to begin to get clear enough to see, you know, consciousness, the apprehension of an object, a sound, sight, touch, you know, consciousness apprehending an object. Seemingly that's, that's the norm, and so it is. Sight, sound, subtle, sensations, energies, Consciousness apprehends an object. Mm. 
when the deep teaching of the Buddha said even this is potential for suffering because that object will change and consciousness is continually trained to apprehend objects, favor objects, you know, speculate about them, compare them with others, whether objects of thought, an idea, another person, oneself, feelings, sensations, mental creations, ideas, theologies, you know, mental creations. And it apprehends them. And this is the human story, isn't it? And even as we consciousness apprehends, physical, you know, tactile, auditory, visual, picks them up. Even more, the mind consciousness generates a huge range of mental perceptions, beliefs, dogmas, ideologies, politics, religions. This is right. Yeah. Everything else is wrong. You know, favoring. And the struggles with that, the wars that occur around that. The tyrannies that occur around that. Uh, and the uh, Teaching is consciousness doesn't have to apprehend an object. Turning back upon itself, turning to one is aware of the, for example, of the listening. There's the heard sounds, and there's the listening. Tuning into something like that. This became a, a you know, major teaching. Ajahn Sumedho, the um, sound of silence is actually, silence is more like the listening quality. So you turn in consciousness as the sound arises, passes, listening to silence. But you're really listening to the quality of listening, not to the object. Doesn't mean you dislike or like or favor or, you know, listening to the listening. And uh, similarly, you can cultivate this in terms of the body, the feelings, the energies, the movements, and you can just be aware of. knowing or sensing embodiment, knowing the experience of embodiment. This is presence here. Body consciousness is relatively easy in many ways. It's kind of so, you know, such a strong uh, and sensitive form of consciousness, I mean, and the sensations that arise are quite strong. It's not difficult to know that you have a body, really. Except for the mind makes it difficult, which is even stronger. 
But you can use the body to come out of the mental proliferations into something that's a little more workable. And it's important to come to terms with, you know, what body consciousness can hold, which is pleasure, pain, energies, you know. And there is a quality that we call the ground, bodily ground, ground of consciousness, which is just this is landing, this is running on this. We are conscious, we're aware of bodily consciousness, of the shifts and changes of it. And to support that, uh, staying with breathing, as a central theme, as a comforting theme, just a simple flexing, rhythmic, calming quality of that enables one to find a a basis within this uh, embodied realm. And you begin to also recognize with the breathing, particular energies that flow along with that which have a very uh, remedial effect on experience of body. You can be aware of that. You have visual body, which is really not much uh, benefit. There it is, but it's of limited, um, limited value, I think we see good for navigation, you don't bump into people, (laughs) but after that, you know, it's a source of vanity and comparison and anxiety over physical appearance and, you know, all that. And it generally, you know, tends to look less and less <laughs> attractive <laughs> as the years go by. <laughs> uh, in the social realm, anyway. Yeah. It's all the young and the beautiful, smooth skin. That's, 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 that's what gets the considered the thumbs up, isn't it? Mr. Universe is not some spindly old, ge- old guy. It's only a guy with bulging biceps and massive chest and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> how long is that going to last? <laughs> so, you know, we look towards something a little more um, lasting and useful, which is the vitality of the body, the energy of the body, getting it straightened and settled through breathing and out, through feeding the body internally. Yeah. Till it begins, you know, oh, there's another place you can go. Yeah. Feeling or sensing, 
energetic body, the somatic body. Because this will calm the mind, make it workable, manageable, adaptable, wean it from its attachment to sights and sounds and tastes and flavours and external appearances. That's a big help. Then we, because then we are beginning to get down to exactly where these reactivities, sankharas, happen and how they experience the rushing, the jumping into pr- proliferations, into speculations, into anxieties, into fears and phobias, into gotta have, must be, ought to, she is, they are, everybody thinks this about me, black and white thinking, everything is right, this is wrong. My side is good, everybody else is bad. All this stuff, you know. What's that? Jumping into conceptual proliferation. You begin to feel it because you lose your body. You lose the sense of groundedness. Directness. Go into indirect experience. Abstract conceiving ideas and notions and yeah then you can kind of generate a world of things go my way as an idea and then of course it's for human experience is one where we start to totally impose that idea on nature and devastation impose it on humans totalitarian thinking so what's that jumping so this is a uh, sankara mental formations is the kind of rather opaque word this generating of emotional reactions that we barely have any say over they just jump and then we're in it and I am and everybody else is and where did all that come from? and I should be where did that one come from? and all the complexities that are deeply stressful and you know one could sympathise with enormously but uh, there has to be getting down to the point of where and how that jumping of the mind is experienced, that jumping of away from the ground with a a widja thinking that if we jump away from the ground we'll find security. And like that's where you lose security. You jump into what's insecure but seems to be secure seduces, promises, never achieves, never comes up with it. Say, oh, just try a bit harder. No. Just figure it out. That'll do it. No. (laughs) We spend our time. So much of our time can be done doing that. Leaving the ground. Avijja, ignorance, tanha, sankara, 
the energetic formations that throw us propelled by that those forces so certainly a big part of practice is just about that own up to it and it's not personal it generates a person it's not your fault but it is your responsibility if you don't sort this out you're going to be suffering a lot and generating for others projecting your stuff onto others feeling disappointed annoyed you know hurt by others you can't that can't be helped as long as that jump occurs it's going to that's what's going to come up sooner or later Uh, you know, and the ground we can acknowledge feelings like this perceptions people are like people I'm worried about it's like this perceptions flicker pull but they're perceptions they are mental impressions and they can change overnight and those perceptions trigger these volitional formations where suddenly we get active place that seemed nice suddenly seems difficult looks pleasant and comfortable in the day and night time feel frightened and lonely same place person I was okay with now I feel worried about offended by mm-hmm. perceptions not your fault we will all do this you know look around you see somebody looks unhappy think oh she doesn't like me anymore must have said something wrong so it does You know, kind of phenomena that arise when you're in retreat and suddenly the, all the social ways of mediating this are taken away we can't talk things out we just have to look and think goodness me the way he looked at me then it was pretty heavy we re- actually fe- what happens if a fellow had a headache <laughs> but <laughs> you take it as a, some kind of personal statement you know, you never know, do you? Maybe you did. All you know is the perception and the flickering and the jumping. And the self and the jumping is something wrong with me. You know, fear, anxiety. Don't need that. We don't need to be defensive fearful 
recognize that the perceptions that arise are happening here. Some of them may generally have some kind of modicum of truth in them. Often you can recognize this is extremely exaggerated what's going on. You know, this yogi sitting next to me is not, is not Adolf Hitler, you know. Maybe he looks a bit serious at times, but I'm making a lot out of this. <laughs> you know, triggering perceptions. Acknowledge that. Where does it arise from? Move by. And how one consciousness adopts it. Takes a stand upon it. Fights with it. Yeah. Tries to run away from it. Yeah. Makes a person out of it. And uh, makes me out of it. You know, I am the stupid or the confused that everybody dislikes. It's just because somebody else had a headache and looked a bit in, looked a bit intense. <laughs> you know, you you can see these narratives. They're touching these places where, you know, perception has got a lot of karmic potential in it, a lot of habit in it. A lot, of, a lot of personal creation in it. Not easy. Definitely not easy. Mm. Everyone's the odd one out. Mm. Everyone's something peculiar about them. The odd one out. Therefore, there. once you have that perception of yourself, perception of yourself, then sooner or later you're going to feel isolated or different or people look down on me or judge me or think I'm narcissistic or something, you know, that's what happens. You know, sooner or later something comes up that touches into that personal isolation. You know, fact is, a person is isolated. So we can't recognize the personal form perceptions that give rise to the sense of person and if you return to the ground conscious of consciousness phenomena land you don't jump that's a practice and in your body you can feel that, you can find something energetically, an energetic steadiness or stability beneath the jump. And it's really the paradoxical, seemingly, but absolutely right, right on point the Buddha made it exactly where you jump, that's where it stops, you know, you get to the point of that. So the Four Noble Truths occur at the same place. It's right where we get most compulsive. You get to that point and know, sense that movement. That's where you 
stop. So this is a person, this is very humbling to go to the place of one's anxiety, one's seemingly compulsive behavior. How does that feel? How is it as a bodily experience? Can you sense that tightening, shaking place, wavery place, uncertain place, place that feels empty or unfounded, you know? And aware, connecting that to something more grounded. This is why our awareness has to widen to include ground. You know, this may seem mysterious, but in very simple, you can do this in bodily terms. You know, you notice a place where you feel very tight, and you know, that, and your attention will tend to go into that. You're cultivating, no, yeah, there's that, there's also behind that, there's something else. There's the breathing, there's the flexing, there's the sense of ease in the face or the legs or the hands or somewhere. And instead of going into the place where you get lost and flounder and go into I should and I shouldn't and why does everybody and how is it going to be and so forth, you go back to, uh huh. But in this body, there's also this. And it just helps to anchor that mind from jumping. Yeah, there is the uncertain. There is the painful. There is the, you know, fearful. And there's also this. There's also the simplicity of an out-breath. There's also the space around me. There's also the ground beneath me. As you touch these, you recognize, ah, there's also the knowing of the citta, which is sense of equanimity, towards formations. Mm. So I say knowing, it's not intellectual knowing, it's a different, very, it's not, there isn't a word for it really. We can be aware, but it's also an awareness that's got some confidence in it, some gravity in it. This is why uh, it's often easier, or in some way, to sense that in terms of body, because you can sense that. It's much more, once you get the language, once you get the references, you can sense, yeah, there's also, there's the active, moving energy, and there's also a ground, stable, core energy, which is, which is steady.
and everything jumps from that. Feel yourself activated. And we breathe out and release and energy comes back to ground state. Oh, that was a thought. That's all. You know why this most humble practice of you know breathing in and out and noticing there you are, jump there there it goes. That movement into some kind of hyper activity. And uh-huh. Pause. Disengage. Widen. Soften. Widen. Widen your awareness. Soften your attitudes. Breathing out. Returning to nature. No judgment on the personal realm. Apart from to acknowledge, it goes like that. Returning to nature. The rhythms, the movement, and also the settling, the stillness, where the sankharas relax. This is a deep process and a mm, this is the touching the ground, acknowledging how the ground gets lost, and that's for every one of us. It's not your fault, it's every one of us does this. personal flavours and stories but every one of us does this. And so there's a deep humility and compassion with that. It's not up for me to judge somebody else's jump because that's me jumping. <laughs> and returning This is where the path starts here, and all we can touch into, perhaps at this moment, is just to get that peace. Sankaras, the energies that run, where they go to, what trigger them, pause. Don't create anything out of that. If you do create something out of it, then as soon as you can, find a place to pause, pause. Soft widen, widen your awareness from that contracted, involved state. Okay. Soften your attitudes, 
soften your energies. There's no power, there's no thrust in this. It's a natural. When you soften, you allow nature rather than human contrivance. And nature breathes out and breathes in. And you know that there's the letting go of an object. You get to recognize this can be done. We can see something very interesting and very powerful and very far reaching about chitta. There can be a letting go that's not forced, that's natural. You get that insight. That's your vehicle. That's your wisdom vehicle. You will forget it many times, naturally. But once your chitta gets it, something is there that says, "I've forgotten how." But I know there's a way past this. It just doesn't grab you so intensely. And then your responsibility is to begin to track how that happens, where you get touched, where your triggers are. Right there is the place of liberation, place you need to notice how the ground has been lost. You're conscious of that. And it comes back. Be aware of that. And it comes back. Ground comes back. You're never that as lost as you think you are. 